Good evening, amen. All right, my name is Don Bovell, and I'm an emergency medicine physician. I practice here in the state of Florida. Um, this is my wife, Ann Burnett, and this is my friend, Grace Daly. And we just want to talk to you a little bit, hi, we just want to talk to you a little bit about missions and how we got involved in it and the amount of fun we have doing missions. So about maybe uh, 15 years ago, I was maybe about two, three years out of residency, a friend of mine says, hey, Bovell, let's go down to Jamaica. And I mean, what are we going to do there? He says, well, we're going to go on a mission trip. And we went down to Jamaica and we had a wonderful time. We worked with the local conference. We worked in a local clinic. And um, I'd been on one mission trip before, but I was just so excited with, about this mission trip that we've been traveling ever since, um, pretty much every summer to a different place. And we've been to um, Africa, uh, we've been to South America, we've been to the Caribbean. And uh, this last summer, we actually did two mission trips. Uh, we went to the island of Tobago, which is part of the island nation of Trinidad and Tobago, and we also went to um, uh, the Dominican Republic. And this is actually, these are some slides of what we do when we go to those areas. Um, this is the one year we went to South Africa, and we were working in a rural community, and we were working in several rural communities, and we have uh, one of our dentists there, uh, that's Dr. Rick Beckemeyer, um, and the newspaper wrote about what we were doing. But the model is we work with the people there locally. They tell us what their needs are. And I'll give you an example. Um, one conference was working with an area in South Africa called Mamelodi. And so they said, let's set up a clinic there because you want to have a church there. So we went in, we had a clinic, um, and our clinics consist of physicians, dentists, optometrists. Um, we have chiropractors at times. Um, we have um, uh, nurses, and we have a lot of volunteers who um, will take blood pressures and blood, check blood sugars, those types of things. And we, we also have counseling. It's very important that not only do we administer health um, care as we define it here, but also teach people about preventive health measures. To me, that's the most important thing um, when it comes to health. And then the utmost important thing is also sharing Christ. Um, uh, the one story that I have was we were out in South Africa, one of the remote areas, and one of the local politicians and chiefs, they were there, and they made a comment to one of our members. He said, you know, we've had people come here um, over and over again, but what made a difference was the way you actually treated our people, the way you took time and sat with them. So when you're, when you're actually taking care of a patient, um, you're not really taking care of a patient, you're actually sharing Christ. And that's what I've been taught on these mission trips. And I always gain much more from these mission trips than I, than I think that I, I donate. So we've been to these places and, um, is that everything? Picture. Picture, oh we have a lot of pictures. Uh, um, next slide please. Um, this is actually a picture of uh, Dr. Uh, Wendell Lawrence who travels with us. Um, next slide please. Um, that's uh, me taking care of a patient, and I think that's probably South Africa. Next slide, please. That's one of our optometrists. She actually uh, exam does eye exams, and she actually takes brand new glasses down there and donates them to um, the, oh, yeah, thanks. Donates them to the uh, patients. Uh, next slide, please. Um, we have an ultrasonographer who travels with us, and she does um, abdominal ultrasounds, carotid ultrasounds, you know, venous ultrasounds. Um, that's Grace counseling um, someone and probably trying to steal her baby. Um, next slide, please. And she's successful. She's actually stolen her baby now. Um, and this is um, w what we often do as well is we have a, uh, a spiritual, we always have a spiritual dimension. So uh, lots of times there will actually be a crusade or something going on. So we're doing the uh, medical care during the day and there's a crusade in the evening. Um, next slide. So um, let's see, about four years ago, my wife and I met Grace Daly, and um, that's about the time we kind of made a transition to doing things also in the community, and Grace is gonna talk to you right now. So I walked away from professional basketball so I could faithfully observe the Sabbath. I didn't grow up in Venice, so I wasn't aware of the Fourth Commandment and the Sabbath and how it could actually help preserve your mind and your body. But about four years ago, I met them. And even though my parents made the transition when I was in high school, 
and I sat in the pews with Adventists, no one ever actually asked me how I was able to keep the Sabbath and maintain this professional career. Well, if you hang around her, she asked a lot of questions. So she asked me how it was possible. And at that time, I had been spending time with them on the Sabbath and really enjoying myself. And how the Bible says the Sabbath is supposed to be a delight. The Sabbath became a delight. And I really started to look forward to this day of the week, just taking a break and spending that quality time with God. And I don't cook, and she's an amazing cook. So we both, we all three of us eat plant-based meals, a whole food plant-based diet. And she would invite me to their house on Sabbaths and give me these wonderful meals. So I had this great food, great fellowship. So when it came time to sign that next contract, we actually started studying the Bible together. We formed a relationship, a friendship. So we didn't just meet and then she said, hey, how are you gonna keep the Sabbath and keep going overseas? We met, we started going to the gym together. And I thought to myself, here's Barbie, I can outdo her any day, but she held her own. And <laughs> she surprised me pleasantly. So we kept hanging out, started studying the Bible. And as soon as the part of the Sabbath school lesson came up that talked about the Sabbath, I was immediately convicted. And it wasn't, uh, oh, one more season, one more day, maybe just a few more months. It was an immediate transition to game over. It's time to play for a different coach. And once the three of us got together, God began to orchestrate amazing things. All of a sudden, I went from being very intentional and very focused uh, to getting to the basket. Because when I was on the court, I did whatever I wanted to do. I got my way, okay? So I went from that same intentional, focused attitude on the basketball court to evangelism. And we started a program called the Be Smart program, which is our spin on the health message. Believe in God, eat fruits and vegetables, sunshine and air, moderation, action, rest, and tell others, and limit your TV time. We started that program together, and we've also gotten this program into the public school systems. B, believe in God, wasn't going to cut it in the public school system, so we changed it to brush your teeth and bathe, which I'm currently, um, I'm currently a kindergarten teacher right now, so I have five-year-olds, and I've worked those kids out hard mentally and physically because there's definitely a connection. And at the end of the day, that bathing at bedtime is a very important, relevant concept. So we're trying to teach them these principles from a very young age. And what we also do is exercise classes for the community. And here's where the doctor comes in. It's a very, very easy thing to invite someone to say, hey, we have these exercise classes and we have a doctor there that'll give you a free consultation, right? So everyone loves a free medical visit because that's actually how we ended up connecting in the first place because I was sick. And when people are sick and they wanna feel better, they will do whatever it takes. And if there's someone there that's willing to provide that service, they will be open to whatever that person says to them. So they met my needs first. And then, after that, I was able to learn these great truths in the Bible. So we have these exercise classes going in our, in our community consistently. We have five different classes during the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and on Sundays. And they're attended by 80% members from the community. So at this point now, and she's one of our instructors, all three of us have different roles, but she's one of our main instructors. I'm gonna turn it over to her and she can tell you more about the classes. Yeah, so apparently Barbie, qualifies as an instructor, can you imagine? <laughs> and coming from a professional basketball player, this is a big deal. Oh, you know what, Do you, how many of you follow basketball? Raise your hand, how many of you? Or you know more about basketball than I do because I know nothing about sports. But here's the thing, she doesn't really look like the stereotypical basketball player, does she? That's okay. Fantastic things come in small packages. Normally basketball players are like six feet tall, even the ladies. But here's what you don't know about Grace. Are you ready? She attended Tulane University. She, was the, she still holds the record for the leading scorer for both male and female with, hold on, put on your seatbelts, 2,249 points. Whoa! Is it just me or is that a lot? That is an incredible amount of points. So as a result of that, she was inducted in Tulane University's Hall of Fame and still maintains that record. I think she was inducted in 2005 or six. Praise the Lord, amen. That's how the Lord works. And then, um, let's see, she was also the first round draft pick and fifth overall selection in the 2000 WNBA draft. Yes, she's a WNBA player former, and that picture is no joke. <laughs> That's really her. Okay, so she will never tell you that. She's an incredible, humble person. 
but I had to share how God blessed her and how we got together. But she not only played in America for many seasons, but also in Europe for the, I think, Italian League, French League, Spanish League, and probably, oh, the Czech League and Russian League, and apparently she found out that the mafia was real, so she left. Okay, nevertheless, um, since we teamed up, we've been incredibly blessed to have this awesome new team although we're not, no longer bad, we're not basketball players, but we work together for Christ. We're following in his footsteps. We're using his method of reaching them through health. In this case, you know, there's a significant health and exercise craze. So we provide that for free. Say what? Yes, free. <laughs> and that's why the programs are uh, attended by primarily 80%, over 80%, non-Adventist non members. How many people? A typical class on a Tuesday or Thursday, uh, we have on average 50 to 60 people. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. On average, it is 60 to 70 people. We have gotten as high as 80 all at once. But if everyone, depending on their schedule, were to show up, all at once would have over 250 one class, but they rotate depending on their work schedules. And it's women and children. And then the men come right after that. But anyway, uh, here's a neat thing about how the Lord works. We have collaborated with local Adventist churches. Amen. Amen. So it's an in-reach, but primarily it's an outreach. They don't have to spend a dime. They just, prepare, they just uh, provide the space. We use our own resources. We fund this. But so they get free medical care, free exercise, and we provide all the equipment, all the weights. We use kettlebells, sandbells, music, and lots of fun. We build the relationships. We, oh, we've got pictures, yes! Go to the picture, please. And here we're showing a picture of another, one church that was, oh, that just got added about three weeks ago. That one is the Ocala Church. We try to work out outside. We live in Florida, after all. And this is in Ocala, Florida. This church is in the Florida Conference. And here's the thing. We, we provide these classes at three Adventist churches on an ongoing basis in two different conferences. It's called unity. That's what Christ does. Amen? Amen. So um, next picture, please. Oh, the next one. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is really what I wanted to show you. That's um, Grace on the left and the pastor, and he's been there now for two weeks. He's brand new to this church, uh, and uh, he is working out. Christ led by example. Can I say an amen? It is more effective if the leadership in the church collaborates with the health team, right? And if they're involved. So we provide cooking classes for free. We provide um, health information, behavioral uh, uh, modification classes. Just, we, we also transition them to church programs in the afternoon that's solely for them. The Lord is so good. Let us unite together and start something in your own church. Amen. You don't have to wait for the, the, the church body to do it. We didn't, grassroots, here we go. Pray about it. The Lord will bless you. We thank you for your time, and we love you. Yeah, one more thing is it's really amazing just to see the way people have responded. I mean, we have people that have lost 30, 40, 50 pounds. Blood pressures are becoming normal. Cholesterol levels are becoming normal. It's, I mean, it's just like uh, when we go on those mission trips, we have people lined up hundreds and hundreds. When we go places, we're able to see every single person. We don't leave till every person's been seen. And the Bible says that Jesus, you know, he goes to place, he healed them all. And then if we, everyone that comes to these classes, every single class, we introduce these Be Smart principles. So we don't let a moment go by where, or an opportunity be missed. So we always just take every opportunity for every person. Good afternoon. I want to share with you, I, um, in 2011 at an AMEN meeting, Dr. Don Latour came up and asked me if I wanted to participate in a mission trip to the Philippines in 2012. And uh, that was in conjunction with Pastor Louis Torres in the Philippines. And so I went and with my family, and we had a wonderful time. We did health clinics by day. And at night, the kids did a Share Him program, kind of a, a modified version of Share Him program. And it was a incredible way to see the kind of the whole melding of both health ministry and uh, evangelism and see the fruits of that. We saw a number of people were baptized and we were able to help a lot of people. 
And when we came home uh, from that, my, my high schoolers, Micah and Anya, were attending high school, and they, once a year with their high school, go on a mission trip. And so they said, wouldn't this be great to do the same thing with our high school? And uh, they were attending Weimar Academy at the time. And so they went back to school, and they presented the idea to the faculty as, could we do this as an as a, um, outreach for one of our mission trips? And they listened to it. They considered the proposal. They prayed about it. And in February of 2012, we had the opportunity to return. We went initially in June and returned again in February to the same island and uh, helped them with the same outreach. So the Philippines is uh, a big place with lots of islands. And we went to a small island. If you looked at uh, the entire uh, spectrum of the islands there in the Philippines, that little red dot is the island of Shirgao. There's about 80 or 90,000 people that, that live on that island. And when we went the June before, we found that never had anyone from any place other than the Philippines come as healthcare providers. So it was a shock to them. And they continued to ask us, why are you here? Why are you here? So uh, we went back with the academy, and I teamed up with Dr. Brent Hildebrand, whose who's, um, their children were attending the academy as well. And then we had some local physicians that helped us. And the island of Shirgao is, there's kind of like seven, eight main towns on the island. And so the way we set it up in June of 2012, and then again when we went back in, in uh, February, March of 2013, was we did health clinics in each of these towns. So we were there for about, so each day we would go to a different town and we spanned out over seven of the towns there. And um, each evening we would go to that town and do a health lecture and do a, a, a Bible presentation and, and the kids would do that. So the academy kids or teachers had them prepare ahead of time. They had, had prepared their, their presentations and, and um, we also train them and help them prepare for doing health lectures and health teaching. So when we did our health clinic, we had some physicians to do consultations, but during that whole time, you, you can imagine when hundreds of people come to be seen to see three or four doctors, they're doing most of their time doing what? Waiting, and you're used to that, waiting for doctors, right? But um, so we didn't want that to be wasted time, so we taught the, the academy kids how to check blood, blood sugar, so they would do glucose checks, and they were doing the blood uh, pressures for us, and they um, were doing some oral hygiene. We had some dentists that um, were with the uh, Mindanao Health Outreach Project that came with us, and so we had some dental care there as well. And so the um, academy uh, students were doing oral hygiene uh, teaching, and then they would do um, natural remedies uh, presentations on charcoal and the benefits of water and, and all the wonderful things for health prevention. And um, so while people were waiting, in much like a situation like this, they were a captive audience, and so they would present one lecture after another, and. They would even sometimes come with their instruments or sing and do all kinds of things for them. So it was an incredible outreach and opportunity. So the health uh, clinics by day, we had lots of, of people come of all ages. We'd see the young and the old. And the different municipalities, since we were now returning, they had actually, from when we had been there last June, had asked the people, how were you treated? Did you benefit? Did you, were you happy with the care? And the response was overwhelmingly positive. And so um, what some of the municipality leaders did was they um, knew we were coming. They heard we were coming. So what they did was they uh, provided transportation for many of the people in the surrounding areas to bring them in. And they provided, so they provided transportation and they provided nice facilities for us. So they had uh, gyms or some of the municipality um, centers of meetings that were ready for us. And so we would, we would uh, they would even have workers up helping to prepare the place and clean the place that we were gonna be working before we came. There is so much great value in going back to some place you'd been before. 
So when you go to do a mission trip, it's one thing you go and you come and you may never see them again, but to go and go back where you've, seen, where you've been before, familiar faces, and, and even some of the patients that I had seen in June, I would see them again. And so it, it was um, a great blessing. The medical work opened the hearts of the community, opened the hearts of the municipality leaders. The mayors of each of the municipalities hold great power and one of the municipalities was very eager for the local area to maybe even build a church there, and so the door was open for that. And in the evenings, okay, so, the, so then the academy students were doing blood pressure, and uh, their dean uh, was supervising. And um, again, blood pressures and blood sugars and checking people in and doing lectures as the people waited. We had many of the uh, pastors from the local area that came and they acted as our translators, both in the medical clinic and in the meetings by night. Um, the academy students had opportunity to do some extractions and work with the dentists there. The dentists were um, um, very uh, instructive and it was a great experience for them. Uh, Dr. Hildebrand came from Michigan and um, we were able to teach a number of things to help them with their remedies and of course we would um, pray with them and invite them to the meetings that would uh, be happening that evening. And uh, by day while we were at the medical clinic the students that were going to be presenting the main Bible lecture would stay back at our, the place that we were staying and Pastor Louis Torres would then instruct them and, and go over the, that night's meeting and he would give them uh, some, some tips on the appeal that they would be making that night. And um, so they would prepare. And in the evening then, people would come. At each of the different sites that we were doing health clinics on different days, every site had a meeting going on every night. So we had seven nights of, of meetings with a health lecture and um, people would come of all ages. We would have at each site ranging from 80 to 200 people uh, coming. And the students would do the uh, presentations. And at the end of the week, there were uh, appeals for baptism. And at the end of the week, uh, people came from all over the island for one uh, baptism. And so we drew everybody together and we would load people in uh, jeepneys, which are um, these vehicles that you see here, and they would be stuffed completely full inside and over the top and come in one jeepney after another. And um, the, uh, they gathered on Sabbath morning, the last uh, Sabbath that we were there, and there was a great number of people, both in the church, from the churches and the baptismal candidates. And when it came time for the baptism, you could look down the beach where we were doing the baptism and there were just, in, just a mass of people. You can see the number of people uh, lined up there. And there were so many people that were baptized that day, they had to go into the water five at a time. And um, the different pastors were, you can see, were stationed down the beach there. And they all, uh, 600, more than 600 souls gave their life to Jesus that day. And it was a great blessing for me to, because a lot of times, um, as has been mentioned here this weekend, we do work and we don't always necessarily see the, the fruits of those labors, the labor, but um, w this island here was so starving, one for outside help and with their medical care, um, and that opened their hearts and then starving for the gospel message. And uh, to see that all happen in such a short period of time is a rare opportunity. And uh, so when my children and I experienced the June, June before, we couldn't help but say this would be an incredible experience for academy students to, uh, to do and to experience. And so this is the group of uh, young people. We had 18 academy students and three of their um, faculty advisors that came and, and uh, the smiles on their face post-meeting, they were, they were exhausted because our schedule would be up at, up at six and to bed at um, past the appropriate uh, temperate hour uh, that they were used to, but um, 
it, it was a long day, and, and many times it'd be catching naps in between. But after a long, hard work, and to see the fruit of that labor come uh, brought great joy to them. And so you've heard the one, do one, or um, see one, do one, teach one. So I've seen them, and I've heard testimonies of mission outreaches. I had the opportunity to go do one, and then I wanted to share that and see uh, 18 more young people and their faculty advisors see the, the experience of the fruits of their labor uh, seen in such a short time. And it reminds me of this Bible passage. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And, um, you know, the, 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 and that's exactly was true. true. The, the harvest was truly ripe. Um, we uh, sometimes at home try to our hand at gardening and um, sometimes we get the seed in the ground and that's our first step and then when we don't add water that seed doesn't grow and I've had we've had that experience we put seeds in and wonder why they don't sprout but but then as a family I'm talking personally in gardening now this is what we do at home now we've started to add water to our plants and see that whoa they come up and that's really neat until we see the sprouts and then we stop watering them and they die so the next season, uh, we tried again, and we said, okay, we're going to water faithfully. And we watered faithfully, and they grew up, and we saw fruit on these vines. And we never picked the fruit. The harvest is ripe. Don't leave the fruit on the vine. Thank you for your attention. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's been an inspiring afternoon to hear these wonderful stories of how God is leading. Uh, it's just a wonderful opportunity to share. And uh, <clears throat> my sister from India shared, and I want to just share mostly new stories, but I want to share, you one, share one old one because I know many of you are not aware, but I stand here today because of a missionary who went to India. The very first call porter. She was a very young woman who was appointed by the general conference. She talked to Elder Spicer at a camp meeting. He said, finish your education. She finished her education, at least her college education, and they finally appointed her to go to India, which is where she wanted to go. And as she got to England, she re received a, a um, telegram saying they had no money to send her any further nor could they bring her home, but she needed to call Porter and earn her own living while she learned a skill in England, which she did. But she saved enough money to pay her own way to Calcutta because she had this burning desire to go to India. My grandparents, my father's parents, were young uh, professionals. He was a surveyor, a uh, civil engineer in the city of Calcutta. They had never been to church. They had no interest in church. But through a marvelous series of, exp of, of uh, experiences between about 1901 and 1907, they had, my grandfather had stopped smoking. They had stopped drinking and they had become vegetarians. But they were malnourished vegetarians because they had no idea what to do eating a vegetarian diet. And being British, they wouldn't eat Indian food. So it had to be British vegetarian food. And as they struggled for about a year, there was a knock on the door one afternoon. It was a young woman, Georgia Burris, who was selling religious books and my grandmother said close the door in her face because she was not interested but she felt like she had been rude we now know the holy spirit was working on her heart and she walked down the street and called after the lady and on the curb on the sidewalk there in calcutta my grandmother apologized for being rude said she wasn't interested in the religious books and as they chatted for a few minutes, finished their visit, turned to part 
My grandmother turned around and said, I have one question. Would you happen to have a book on vegetarian cooking? Georgia said, I would, but it's in California. I can order one. And of course, in those days, there was no FedEx or DHL or anything like that. So it, by the time, it took about six months to get the book. In the meantime, Georgia said to my grandmother, would you be, like me to come to your home and give you some lessons? And that's how the Harding family became Seventh-day Adventists. Because of a missionary who was willing who was earning her own living. She wasn't even being paid by the mission or the general conference to be a call porter. She was earning her own support, but she was willing to take away from that door-to-door work and come and meet a need in a young family that really needed it. My grandfather always said that once the cooking lessons started, the food dramatically improved. But once the cooking lessons were finished, there wasn't, by the way, there wasn't much, I mean, there were no Whole Foods and there were no Safeways and this was back very early in the previous century. And, uh, but the friendship had been formed, God was working and the cooking lessons became Bible studies. And three years later, in 1911, both my grandfather and grandmother were baptized as Seventh-day Adventists. Anyway, I just thank the Lord for the work of missionaries who go to all corners of the earth. Now, I want to just share with you this evening very quickly a little bit about health ministries around the world. These are just very short viennettes. Um, We don't have time. There is so much. One of the greatest blessings of my work today is to be able to travel around the globe on behalf of health ministry and hear people share the testimonies of what they are doing, what God is doing through them in the area of health ministry. And I want to just share a few of them. You saw very briefly in in, uh, Elder Page's presentation uh, this morning, a little bit about what's happening in Jakarta. It's a very exciting project. Um, the Club Sehat and their, their grocery stores or health food stores and their health classes on the next floor. It's been going on for 10 years. It was started to reach the, the Chinese in Jakarta. And today, they are res- the, last year, they had more baptisms from the four places they have now in Jakarta. And they're hoping, they're hoping this next year to open two more by God's grace. But they are having more baptisms than all of the churches in Jakarta combined as a result of using health ministry primarily as they seek to meet the needs of those who come. And they do a whole host of, of activities in the area of health. Um, and it is, it is a wonderful work that they are doing. I have just a few pictures, if we can get them moving here, um, of what is happening in these various clubs, or health clubs is really what that word means in Bahasa. We turn to, to uh, Central Asia to begin with, or, or next. Um, Central Asia is a very tough and difficult and actually an area that is really closing down for Christian outreach. We have had, we've had to remove workers from several of the countries in Central Asia, but the country of Kazakhstan is still open, although very restricted, and we have a Seventh-day Adventist pastor and his wife. His wife is Ukrainian. She has forsaken the easier life in the Ukraine to join him in Almaty. And they now have a health room. Um, I guess I had that up. They have a health room in the church. They, have, they do health consultations, health fairs. She's a Ukrainian nurse. Uh, they do health expo, various kinds of simple 
remedy or simple treatments, hydrotherapy, massage. They do cooking classes, lifestyle sessions. This is a picture of Svetlana and Dovlet. This is um, some of what they do in their activities um, in terms of just teaching simple hydrotherapy treatments, uh, health expos. It's a largely Muslim uh, area and they are making friends with the Muslims and the Muslims are appreciating the work that they are doing. They're, they're dreaming of establishing a lifestyle center. They're doing some lifestyle sessions in a small facility that they are able to rent. This is a picture of the first couple of sessions they had last year. A Muslim patient said to them, um, recently, may you have more lifestyle sessions so simple people like us can know Adventists better. Can't you say praise the Lord? This is a picture, and I, I'm not sure I should be showing this picture, but I was told I had permission to do so. But this is a picture of the first Muslim convert in Almaty who was baptized within the last 12 months as a Seventh-day Adventist. There have been four more since then. And God is blessing the humble work of this couple. And they are the only representatives of the Adventist church in that area. But God is blessing their efforts to reach out to a community that is very difficult to reach using the right arm of the message. We go back to the Moldova Union now, or go to the Moldova Union. They have a volunteer physician. He was at the Amen meeting last year. Some of you may remember uh, Koskodan, um, um, uh, uh, Vecheslava Koskodan. Uh, he goes by Slava. He is a last year pediatric surgery resident in Moldova, in Chisnia and he volunteers his time. And as I was with him this year for a week, uh, several months ago, and his passion is health ministry. He said, I will just support it with my profession. He gives, gets a budget from the mission of 100, of the union mission of, of $200 per year for health ministry. He wanted to do something this year and so early in the year, he rallied some young people in the churches there in the city of Chisnia. And they did a health expo. But they're restricted in how they can behave and the activities. And so they went to the mayor's office and they asked the mayor if they could do a health expo for he and his staff. And he said, yes. The mayor has invited him and the Adventist church to do as many health expos as possible in the city as a result of their work. His greatest need is to be able to buy the materials, even the, the, the backdrops and the stands, um, to be able to, he wants to have a team, he wants to, he, his goal is to have uh, six teams that can do one health expo one weekend every month out of the year. And uh, he's really excited and praying. Uh, here's just some pictures of, of the first health expo they did after they did it for the mayor's office. Um, and it was met with a great deal of success and very good publicity. It's brand new information to the people there in that city. I wanna to turn to Papua New Guinea. Many of you are acquainted with the name of Sopus Adventist Hospital. It's the, red, it's the red dot on the screen. It had to be closed by the church 11 years ago for security reasons because when the land was given many years ago, no one realized that it was right in the middle of two warring tribes who had been held in control by the government. And it was actually located on the land where the two tribes used to fight, jousting grounds, if you will. And Sulpice Adventist Hospital was closed 11 years ago. The, 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 
the issues, the civil unrest and issues have been somewhat solved and are under control. And the government has begged the church to come back. And the local government has begged the church to come back. Dr. Chester Kuma, here's a picture of Sopus. Dr. Chester, uh, Chester Kuma, just over a year ago, took a trip with the governor of the area in the highlands, along with the union president uh, and, uh, and the local health ministries leader back to Sopus, and they were met with huge banners and crowds when they came saying, please come back and reopen Sopus Hospital. But the amazing thing, the most amazing thing in, in, to me is that when Dr. Kumar, who had been a surgeon there at the hospital and the medical director in the past, when he walked into the hospital, and these are Chester's pictures, this is what it looked like 11 years later. He said if he could just get the supplies, he could go back to doing surgery within 24 hours. The local community had protected the hospital from any vandalism. They had painted it to keep it up. They had sent custodian people into it every week, had kept it clean, and you're looking at it as it was for the fir seen first time by outside people in 11 years. Isn't that amazing? And look at the crowds that came out to welcome them and welcome them back. We have an amazing situation in Papua New Guinea for various reasons. The government has now asked the Seventh-day Adventist Church to take over and operate more than eight hospitals. We've only had one in the past, but it had a very good reputation. And of course the challenge is, how do we find staff? The government has said, you can run them as Seventh-day Adventist hospitals. We want you to run them with Seventh-day Adventist employees, with Seventh-day Adventist nurses, Seventh-day Adventist physicians. I had the privilege of being at the first health professionals conference um, in New Guinea, in Port Moresby. And it was an amazing weekend. More than 400 physicians from that area came together for the first time. But of those 400, there were over 80 students. For the first time, there's only one medical school in Papua New Guinea, and it's in Port Moresby. It's not run by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But they have more than 80 Seventh-day Adventists in training. Never have they had so many Seventh-day Adventist young people training to become physicians. And an appeal was made for these students to come forward and dedicate their lives to the service of God. And 74 of them responded to that call to give their lives for his service. And there is hope in the division and in that union that they will have staff to accept the challenge and the opportunity that is before them in operating and representing the Lord in these conferences or in these hospitals. I just want to say a word about an activity that uh, has resulted in a great deal of positive benefit to the church. Um, the picture that's on the screen is of Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia. But I had the privilege last year of taking part in teaching all of the pastors and all of the Bible workers in the Mongolia field a course that we call Foundations of Health. They know very little. We teach them some anatomy and physiology. We teach them nutrition. We teach them public health. We teach them health evangelism. We give them a pretest beforehand. And one of the questions is, do you think this is a worthwhile course? This is before they've taken it. And over 80% of them question whether it's worth their time to come for two to three, actually almost three weeks. We ask them the same question at the end. 
and over 95% of them have said it is the best course they have ever had. And they are going out and they're applying what they are learning. We have all, and this, is a, this was the class that I had a part of. We also are doing this at the Adventist University of Africa in, in Nairobi, Kenya. And in fact, it is part of the required curriculum for all graduate students at AUA. And so we, we go every year and we spend almost three weeks teaching foundations of health to pastors, administrators, anyone who is working on a graduate degree is required to take this course. And we have over, there are now over uh, almost 300 of our church leaders in East Central Africa primarily who have gone, who have now taken and passed this class. This is one of the classes uh, this year when uh, and I was there in July. And once again, they're not very sure about it. They wonder why it has anything to do with getting their master's degree or their D-min, their doctorate in ministry. And yet it's required, but when it's finished, they get excited. The Tanzanian Union president stood up at the end of the class this summer and he said, I want every one of my pastors to have this class. The Lord is blessing in unprecedented ways. Um, we now have in the United Arab Emirates a faculty position at the university. And we are working with the police and the fire. We as Seventh-day Adventists have been asked to provide them smoking cessation training and help. Um, they are, and you may think this is a bit odd because it is an Arab country, but alcohol is a huge problem. And uh, we are dealing, we have been asked to help with that problem as well. And uh, Daniel Handysides uh, has been teaching for two years at the university and is, has opened doors and they are begging us to send another faculty member. He came for two years from, from Loma Linda School of Public Health, and we haven't yet to find another person, but we are praying and working uh, on that. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And one of the interesting things is that the, the president of that organization, the educational institution, has now told us that they, there is a move to make our work able to be more prominent in that country. And we can praise the Lord for that. The Kiev Medical Adventist Medical Center, and I don't have a picture of it, but it is located in Kiev. It's been under construction and development for close to 10 years now, is now about 95% complete. And it is becoming a center of influence for Kiev. In fact, I just learned in a phone call this week while here in Florida that uh, they, are going to, they are going, the union committee has voted to call it the J. Sloop Memorial Center. And many of you are acquainted with or have known of J. Sloop who disappeared in Kiev just this year. Um, and he worked tirelessly to see this center take shape and has helped to guide much of its activities. They've already had smoking cessation programs, they're having cooking classes, and they have a wonderful facility in which to do that. And my understanding from those who are working there is that the response has been tremendous. As I close, I want to just share with you a story from the country of India, but it isn't centered in India. I was there for the health advisory um, and had the privilege of hearing the various union and mission uh, into health ministries leaders share stories of what was happening, and I just want to share one of them. And that has to do with a gentleman who is the health ministries director. He has no MPH. He has, he's, uh, doesn't even have a, he hasn't even finished college, but he's been a pastor. And the Lord laid on him a burden. Because he is Bhutanese, 
Uh, part of his, fa he, his family comes from Bhutan. Bhutan is a closed country. We have no work there at all, and we cannot get in to do any work. But he felt, it a, he felt the burden that God placed on him to go across the border and begin doing smoking cessation for the villages where he came from. And because of his heritage, he can go back and forth across the border without any problem. And so he began going about three, four years ago. And he began smoking cessation. And then he began doing some just basic hygiene, teaching people how to live cleaner, how to eat better, um, just the simple things of the health message. And they continued to beg him to come. And even his, his mission field, uh, his administrator was not sure he should go back and do so much, but they later became convinced that his work back at home and just across the border, it really wasn't far from where he lived. And he continued to do that. He took some others with him that were members of the church and could also cross the border. And I am just so thrilled to be able to report what he reported, that by God's grace, there are more than 120 individuals who have been baptized as Seventh-day Adventists that live in Bhutan. Many of them have to come across the border to worship on Sabbath. And those that are close enough can. But that work continues. And the last, he told me, they look like they're going to have another 100 baptisms in the country of Bhutan. God is working in health ministry and in his church all over the world. Not only in these, you know, he's working wonderfully in so many places. It doesn't matter whether it's a well-developed area or whether it's a very poor area. The needs are the same. People have the similar needs, and they all need to hear about Jesus. And God is, is blessing. And this is, this is an unprecedented time in the history of our church. Never has from the highest levels of the General Conference been greater support for health ministry. And I praise the Lord for that. And I praise the Lord for each one of you who are involved in your communities, as well as in various places around the world as you volunteer and share the talents that God has given you. May God bless us all as we seek to do all we can to see his work finished very soon, is my prayer. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.